Welcome to The Other Coast, a podcast dedicated to the Malifometa in Los Angeles. My name is Jeff, and with me here is a SoCal player, Colgan, and a Maryland player, Jim. Hey, everyone. Hey, everybody. Hey, guys. So today we have another installment in our uh, Drawn to Brilliance series for regular listeners to our pod. First of all, we're sorry that you have sat through it. Um, but uh, we also thank you for doing so. The first episode in this series, Colgan talked about how he would like to maybe play Kirai, mostly because of the new sculpts that came mm-hmm. in uh, the other side starter. We're about a month from when that episode came out. So Colgan, by way of update, have you played Kirai yet? I have not. I'm still waiting on like the last few boxes to fill out the keyword. I see. Gotcha. Well, so I guess, you know, in lieu of Colgan being able to update us with his experience, we will instead be talking about uh, Jim's interest in a new master. And since he has managed to actually get a couple games in, you know, we will also talk about his experience. So, uh, Jim, just to start us off, why don't you tell us about the master who had piqued your interest? Sure. I have been interested in playing Asami Tanaka or uh asami shintaku or tanaka shintaku for a little bit now and one of my locals has been playing a lot of dreamer so i wanted to split the title box with him because it looked fun to paint her model and back in second i had the a bunch of the 10 thunder stuff that had come out in second and i haven't played it in third as much and that just got me thinking you know what i've got a title why don't I try playing her some? Sounds good. Actually, this uh, it's it's convenient that Asami was the master you were interested in because Kogan, um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say he mains her, right? I don't want to commit him in that way. Um, but he has played <laughs> quite a few games of Asami, and um, you know, I've played a couple of games of Asami too. So uh, in contrast to the Kirai episode where neither Kogan nor I um, <laughs> had played Kirai or really like played against her much if if at all uh mm-hmm. this time we may be able to talk with a little bit more uh understanding about what she does so to start with uh i know she mentioned you know you were interested in the title version mm-hmm. kogan you you speak japanese do you know what shintaku means um i guess you would need to see head. how it's written right because yeah i'd have to double check the characters i mean a lot of the stuff is kind of like you know, like historical or mythological stuff, which I don't really have a good knowledge of. Right. Well, I mean, without any other context, without the kanji, you probably it's probably difficult to tell the meaning, right? Um, I mean, if I had a better vocabulary, I might know. <laughs> I see. According to Google, uh, it means entrusting, trust, or something to that effect. See, I knew Shin means new, one use of it means new so i thought it was like a new whatever the heck taku is um mm-hmm. but i guess that's not the way it is so you know you had mentioned second edition you know you uh have been playing malifo for quite a while mm-hmm. through second and and of course for all of third was your interest in asami pretty much prompted by you know by the title developments or had asami kind of been on your radar for a while it was title developments I have played a fair bit of a lot of different masters because I have a lot of keywords and Vassal lets me 
indulge my fantasies to the nth degree, but I had never really wanted to go all in on any of the particular Ten Thunders Masters. I think partially because I had the availability of them in in real life, so it felt like I could do more in Vassal. And one of the interesting things I've found as someone with a mostly but not wholly complete collection of a couple factions, Mm -hmm. a lot of keywords, especially in third edition, where they got maybe one or two new models, those one or two new models are really impactful for (laughs) a keyword and not playing with them feels like a handicap. For example, I didn't play Asami all that much because I never had Katashiro. And as far as I can tell, they're some of the best models in her keyword. I got my Katashiro today in the mail as day of recording. I've built them. They're curing in my garage right now. But um, the box finally came back in stock and I snapped it up. Yeah, when you were you know kind of talking about how small gaps in the keyword can, I mean, I won't say unplayable, but really complicate you know how you how you play the crew you know i was thinking that's actually my experience i have a lot of you know i have models i think for probably every keyword but i own the entire collection of very few keywords Mm -hmm. and you know when you when you kind of go over what your options are it it can just feel like you've been you've been stopped by for want of a nail Mm -hmm. kind of situation what i one thing i find interesting is that you were you know drawn to asami because of the title but then you you know, you ended up splitting her her title box with a friend, which, uh, I mean, did you end up with the Enforcer or did your friend end up with the uh, I, I got Lady Yume. Got it. Because, I mean, those boxes are pretty awkward mm-hmm. to split, but I would also, you know, I would expect in particular if you were, if you're drawn to want to try someone new because of the title, I don't know, that would, if it were me, I would, I would want the enforcer model like even more i guess Uh, that's valid i mean we we talked about it and it was a matter of not really wanting to have lady yume for for dreamer side and personally i i know myself well enough that i don't see myself getting into dreamer anytime soon even (laughs) if i had his title i just i have enough summoners i'm actually i've said this in a couple places but i am definitely looking to pare down my collection asami is just the first keyword in third that i have gotten every existing model now in keyword built and soon to be painted and based well listeners if you're looking to pick up models that were once owned by a famous malifaux podcaster hit us up and we'll we'll connect you with jim as as he um tries to pare down his collection Oh jeez. <laughs> they come painted too, right? Because the you're, you're pretty diligent. Yeah, they they're mostly I mean, and that was something I was talking with Colgan about earlier is I, I was interested in Asami because of her title, partially because Weird's been doing these magic effects on more models now. I don't know if you've noticed, but even like the Neverborn starter set, the red caps, they have these huge plastic bits that are the the slash like bloody slash effect Mm -hmm. and i've been toying around with the technical paints that gw put out and i was like you know i bet you it would look really cool if i use this ghostly blue technical paint on the clouds to get that shimmery cloud effect 
and that was, was a huge motivator for me was like i want to paint this this way which is weird because i don't think i am super motivated by the painting hobby side so when this came up for me i thought it was particularly compelling and i wanted to follow that urge you know I agree. It is weird to be motivated. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, we do have a good number of listeners to our podcast who, you know, are maybe beginners or more casual. So they don't necessarily um, have the time to memorize, you know, what models do. So Colgan, you know, so that you can kind of ensure that everyone has has context. Can you explain a little bit about uh, the Oni keyword and I guess, you know, Asami one and then after after you've done that, then I guess, Jim, you can go ahead and it, tell us like kind of how Asami 2 differs. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think we touched on it before, but Asami 1 is kind of like your standard summoner. And I think more than other summoners, she kind of has to play a lot more into the summoning aspect because um, the main thing for the Oni keyword is their flicker tokens, where they can basically gain a flicker to get a plus flip to an attack or to an action and then to the damage flip if there is a damage flip and if at the end of any activation a oni model has more than three flicker tokens they die and blink out of existence so the drawback to asami when she summons in models that not a lot of other summoners share is that they start with two flicker tokens and they gain a flicker token every time they activate so unless you're able to summon them and I eat some like corpse or scrap markers to reduce it, or she spends another action to actually reduce flicker tokens on them. Their base state, they're basically going to die the turn they come mm-hmm. in. So in contrast to a lot of summoners, she has to spend a lot more AP to keep models on the board. And even then, after you've summoned a couple onto the board, it becomes kind of hard to maintain them. So that's why I feel like she's a little bit more of a dedicated summoner than a lot of the other ones that exist in the game. Um, right. So, yeah. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were gonna I, do... I thought you were gonna interject with some intelligent thought. I my expectations are too high. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I've just habituated you to all these profound revelations. I guess that's that's my bad. I, I do recall when we had done the summoning episode, which we did a really long time ago, uh we had talked about how, you know, we kind of thought Asami might present like a good model for what summoning maybe should have been in in Malifaux, you know, something that, you know, maybe the models don't stick around mm-hmm. so much, or maybe it takes some sort of like maintenance on, on the part of, of the summoner to kind of maintain the summons. And uh, that part of what made summons fairly strong, you know, in, in a game meta point of view, was that you were just getting these extra models uh, for free or, or you know, with, with pretty pretty slight kind of restrictions or not much in in terms of mm-hmm. upkeep so when you're playing asami kogan like how you know how much effort do you actually put into sort of flicker maintenance or is it more like i'm going to summon this dude and he's going to do something for or or there i shouldn't assume oni's genders you know the summon is going to do something for a turn and then it's going to go away and that's just uh that's just the way it is especially with the changes in gg2 that's generally how i think that when i summon in models with the original asami it's for an offensive purpose i'll usually put in enough like resources that they stick around for at least a turn Mm -hmm. but i think since outside of the joroguma and the obsidian oni none of the onis really have any kind of like defensive tricks Mm -hmm. 
because like the obsidian only has armor one, which helps us stick around for a while. The Jorgumo has extended reach, which is nice, but I'm usually summoning him in and charging because I feel like you need to get like instant value off of your summons with the Sami since they're around for so little time. Mm-hmm. And then usually on the following turn, depending on I guess how much damage they've taken or what I need done, I might end up just flickering them out of existence and not bothering with their maintenance anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so flicker, I mean, it's not just on the summons. It's well, I mean, you know, these models they could have been hired instead of summoned, right? And you know, so the models that you bring with you, um, very well may may have a, what's it called, like from, from beyond, beyond or something the ability, like that. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. So this dynamic could exist with models that were hired into your crew as well. Uh, how how much effort you know in an Asami game is is managing flicker for your uh, for your hired models? For the hired models, it's kind of like the same thing. I feel like it's just way too action intensive to try and keep flicker low enough that you can like use it every turn. Mm-hmm. So normally with my hired models, like I'll flicker twice, and then if I see the end for them coming, then on their last activation, you know, I'll just flicker over the amount. Mm-hmm. Since you can technically have as much flicker as you want, it's just if you have more than three, they blink out of existence. Asami also has another ability. I I don't remember what it's called, but she can take two irreducible damage, and I think an Oni within 10 aura of her, um, they can remove a flicker at the Mm -hmm. end of their activation, but I very rarely use that ability. Mm -hmm. I feel like most of the time, like, once the Oni get low in health, like, there isn't any healing in keyword. Well, I guess the Tengu do, but it's... It's not great. Yeah, it's like a blast, and it heals enemies, too. And it's like one health. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you have low river monks or Sun Quang as they're not as in option. keyword. They're not in keyword, <laughs> yes, but they are. And and you know, there is the Tanuki as a versatile option. But no, Colgan's right on the money. Oni are, it seems, designed to be fire and forget for the most part. Just based defensively, they they sacrifice defenses for offensive potential which is exacerbated by the flicker. And yeah, Asami, it's very easy for her classic version to burn half of her own health in like two turns without an opponent taking a single swing on her just by her trying to trade her life to reduce flicker on her own summons, which while interesting from a how to approach the game perspective definitely adds to that glass hammer kind of feel for the crew Mm. i think i was just gonna say i find in like most of my games like i'm trying to just build a huge advantage in like the first few turns of the game Mm -hmm. because like by the end of the game it feels like even if i've been doing well like my crew just gets decimated because Mm -hmm. there's nothing really there to keep them alive their defenses are really low you have the flicker issue as well I feel like even with healing, because there's so little damage mitigation for most of the keyword, that it doesn't really feel like a worthwhile use of actions. Mm-hmm. I see. I see. So, Colgan, I you know you mentioned that you generally like to summon in uh, fighters, mm-hmm. which you know it's it's fortunate if that dynamic really works for a summoner because you know Weird has has nerfed uh, summon models' abilities to score points, but they they haven't you know, there's been no impact at all in, in their fighting ability. So if you are generally summoning in fighters, what is what does your hired crew often look like? It tends to be like 
I guess hiring things to counter the opponent or I will hire in like the scheming minions. Like I really like Tengu for, mm-hmm. I guess like scheme or interaction heavy pools. Mm-hmm. And I guess those are the main ones I hire in. Sometimes I'll hire an Obsidian Oni, but that's more just because I don't have a lot of models with me. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> reasonable. Yeah. And the Jorogumo, I feel like they, to me, they're a waste of points to hire. They just don't do enough for their point cost and they're way too fragile. Hmm. Um, I've just been in like way too many, I've just had too many bad experiences where I hire them in and they just get like shot off the board. I'm just like, mm-hmm. this this was not worth it. I'd rather summon them into position. <laughs> uh, in terms of, you know, out of keywords or, or, or versatiles, are there any that, you know, you find particularly useful in Insomni Crew or that, you know, you find that you do tend to bring? Anything with like ranged attack, since there's not really much in the crew, or if any. <laughs> I think the the Obsidian Oni has a gun, and I think that might be it. Asami technically has a gun action, but it can only push people, so it's not really good for killing things. No, I do think she haven't done much with Asami one, but my mm-hmm. read on her has been that reaching tendrils plus samurai or fuhatsu seems pretty good because you can push them into position and then they can spend their turn shooting rather than walking and shooting you know yeah i think it's good i i feel like the the problem i have with the asami one is just i feel like i'm always pressed for actions Mm -hmm. because i generally you know you always want to be summoning every turn and then I'm usually dedicating at least one AP for Mother's Love so the mm-hmm. Oni doesn't just disappear the turn it comes on. Mm-hmm. And then I'm usually using the last AP to reposition her mm-hmm. to get her into a place to make my summon a little more threatening or just that much more annoying to my opponent. Mm-hmm. Right, and Asami's position is generally pretty important because of the the violation of reality, that three-inch charge you know the three inch mm-hmm. r she has it allows uh the turns charges into places typically dominates where i need asami to be and so i end up taking kind of a lot of walk actions with her it bears mentioning that she is a friendly oni within three inches of herself so if you're taking a single walk you can just leap as a walk action oh yeah that would be smarter oh you don't <laughs> well it has to be a charge action but wait right I, you don't but... do that jeff <laughs> uh i mean i don't i don't know i've only played i think i've played asami maybe three times three or four times and every mm. time is a second master mm. uh, i think she works really well as a second master yeah. she has arcane reservoir mm. you know you she she can she can summon in you know either a fighter or a you know or a schemer if you plan ahead for for scheming purposes mm-hmm. and and I've done it where I ran her with Yoko one a couple of times, mm-hmm. mainly because uh, you know Yoko one gives minus one hand size to the opponent, and then Asami gives Arcane mm-hmm. Reservoir. So I was always hoping that with that two card swing, I would have an efficiency advantage that would let me do what I want. I have not really found that to be true. Mm-hmm. And the other master I've used her with was Yan Lo actually against Jim, where I was trying to do this silly plus flip strategy and. And Jim brought a single model, which invalidated my entire crew. Uh, <laughs> things happen. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I think that she's really well placed as a second master. Mm-hmm. You know, especially because the way summons work, if you can summon a Jorgumo or an Obsidian Oni and you send it out, you send it out to fight, 
the the 16 stones of, of like essentially support that Asami represents you know I, I think that's actually not a bad investment mm-hmm. did either of you have any other thoughts about Asami one or or the Oni keyword by default or are we going to move to Jim's uh description of Asami two the only thing I was going to add is that it bears mentioning that for her summons, the talk about the thing called the the obsidian oni bomb, where you summon an obsidian oni, you charge it in to purposefully trigger its own demise with flicker. And I know I have been leaning into that in my first few games with her, but I do think that there's probably a whole lot more to her summon just from the upgrade lets you remove markers, right? Mm-hmm. Given flesh, remove corpses or scrap within one. With Malifaux burns having so many things that do markers, including scrap and corpse markers, like I'm thinking of McMorning, you know, I'm wondering if that's giving this version of Asami some extra legs that may not be really explored yet. I think that's possible, especially since her bonus action is to eat corpse and scrap markers too, right? So if mm-hmm. there's enough on the board, you could probably be a little bit more aggressive with how much damage you're taking to keep models on the board. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of scheme markers, the other keyword that I had been tooling around with, Sommer, it's another thing that ruins Sommer. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not even going to get on that soapbox. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you actually mentioned Sommer because I was going to ask you about somewhere later but probably not in relation to scheme markers specifically uh but uh so jim why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about you know about her title version about how it, you know what she does and how it's different than asami one sure so I'll, I'll do broad strokes here the big thing is she's not a summoner in her shintaku form she's more like a she's almost like molly she's kind of like molly one and, and the the things that make it similar are she has this chains of the earth thing where if your enemy is taking repeated actions on an activation, they're getting injured. In practice, this is not doing a whole lot, but when it happens, you know, one or two injured, plus the fact that your entire crew is on plus flips most of the time, it, there's a lot of surprises with her, is I guess where I'm going with this, is that you look at her card and she really doesn't seem very strong. I mean, she's still as fragile and her crew still has the fragility that we talked about, but she does go a long way to addressing that. Flickering Lanterns, I think, is one of the most impressive parts of her card because it procs when another friendly Oni ends a move, and there's so many ways to move your models in an Oni keyword. In a 10th Thunders crew, really. (laughs) Right. And... What stand out to me, at least what I'm, where I feel that the trap is with her and what I'm still trying to figure out, and I would re- welcome your experiences if either of you have done much with her title, is I think her dimensional rift on the front of her card is the biggest opportunity for mistake and misplay with her and is very unforgiving. What I mean by that is if you try to lean into the I drop markers and jump to them effect, you're going to end up not doing very well. Does that make sense? Well, it does because, you know, when you look at that ability, I think you expect to look on the 
back of her card and see a ton of ways to put out rift markers Mm -hmm. and there really aren't yeah she doesn't make that many and also dimensional rifts is one of those abilities that you're going to read a couple of times to really get how it works Mm -hmm. because it it actually you know it can be a little restrictive in in certain situations right because the eight inches of of range to something to place to but then you can only place within an inch of that right whether Mm -hmm. it's a sami herself or a rift marker and it's you know sometimes it could be pretty difficult to find a good a good position um with only one inch one inch of leeway especially if you're talking about you know like a 40 mil base Mm -hmm. with the obsidian oni or 50 mil base with the jorugumo Mm -hmm. you know or um amanojaku yeah amanozaku right that's 50 Mm -hmm. mil so she's got a lot of pretty big base models Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who kind of want to be close to the boss uh to gain the benefits so i could definitely see playing around dimensional rifts as as being a bit more involved than it might seem at first yeah so one thing i wanted to ask you about you know you brought up molly and and you know of course uh chains of the earth is you know kind of similar to lethe's caress Mm -hmm. one of the things that often i hear you know expressed about you know that ability of, of molly's is it may not inflict the damage very often, but it might lead people to make different choices. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm asking you is if you found in your experience, if players are more willing to take the injured than to take the two damage. It has impacted my opponent's decision making because I have reminded them of it and they have immediately changed course on what behavior they were doing with their model. Now. They did that for models that injured really matter for. So I'm thinking specifically right now of my most recent game against my local Ben, who was playing Perdita. He had Nino. He was like, ah, I could take, it was a wedge game. So he's like, oh, I'll just take two shots with Nino. And I remind him, oh, if you do that, you'll get injured. He goes, oh, well, I'll just focus and shoot with Nino instead. Because I don't want to get injured on my super easy to kill dude. But then he proceeds to send, uh, later in the game, he sends in uh, Francisco and has no qualms about stoning for Onslaught and flurrying, even though it gave him like four injured because <laughs> he murked Amanazako in a single activation. That's where that whole, the punishment element of the crew comes in, which I think we really get into on the back of her card when we talk about some of her triggers. because. I think if you can keep your models away from the counterpunch, you can you can really mess up someone's day with this version of Asami. But to answer your question, yes, it has impacted my opponent's decision making with Chains of the Earth. Got it. Uh so tell me about Lady Yume, you know, the the enforcer that that came in the same box. Lady Yume, I was convinced from early on was a waste of time. As I have put her on the table, I have changed my mind. So for those of you who haven't looked at her, she is a large, she's a 50 mil model, size three. She's big. She doesn't really have a whole lot of defensive kit outside of terrifying, which is, you know, not insignificant. Feed on fear procs a lot in this crew because between her, Amanazako, and a few other options you have access to, you can build a a pretty heavy, terrifying crew with Asami. Where things get ridiculous 
is when you you combo Lady Yume and Shintaku's auras and keep them placed together. Or I'm convinced. I, I think a lot of Lady Yume's power is the front of her card. I, I do want to talk about both of their back of cards here in a second. For the viewers, listeners at home, viewers at home, good lord. Lady Yume is bringing you card draw, which is relevant in a keyword that wants to be able to cheat for certain suits, triggers on Dark Bargain, triggers on a lot of actions that aren't built in. You look at a Shintaku, she has one trigger built in on her actions, and you probably want to get others built in. And you're giving folks Flicker, which we were talking earlier, you know, Colgan, you were mentioning that Flicker is, it's easy to rack that up, right? Mm-hmm. Shintaku burns Flicker very efficiently. And she does this with her uh, flickering lanterns, where Oni that end a move next to her, yeah, end a move with an aura eight can turn a flicker into a shielded, which directly addresses the survivability issue you brought up. With Lady Yume, you can proc that flicker, which will then turn into a shielded on somebody. And if that somebody is, say, a yokai, now we haven't talked about her cheaper minions yet we've been talking about obsidian we've talked about tengu which are, which are cheaper that's fair but neither of you have really mentioned yokai i think yokai have a big place with asami too ephemeral warriors is the is the ability on their card you look at this and it's when this model gains a flicker it may place itself within three after resolving the current action if any you take a look at lady yume and oh my gosh she has an ability on the front of her card that happens when models get placed Warp the Veil. I call it Scry 2 because I'm using magic terminology, but it lets you look at the top two of your deck and discard non-fives. This works for enemies too, and we'll get back to that. But this means that at the start of Lady Yume's activation, you can give a yokai a flicker, draw a card, place the yokai, turn that flicker into a shielded, and then look at the top two cards of your deck before you take any actions. Now that's cute, right? That's not, that's not scoring you points. That's not winning you the game. Take a look at how many models have flight in the Oni keyword, how many mo- models in the Oni keyword that have a place effect on their card. A- and I'll save you the trouble. <laughs> Ohoguro Batari, Amanazako, so both your henchmen, the Tengu, because they're flying, Katashiro, because of their blown by the wind, and literally any Oni that ends a move within one inch of Asami Shintaku because of dimensional rifts. Because dimensional rifts says you place within one inch of either this model or ends a move within one inch of this model or friendly rift marker you can then place within eight inches within one inch of either this model or friendly rift marker there's nothing saying you can't walk next to asami teleport to the other side of asami and proc this scry to turn a flicker into a shielded every single one of your models can filter your deck this way yeah that's decent yeah when (laughs) when you have now it's not quite rig the deck because you're not putting it into your hand. But when you have pseudo rig the deck too, or, or pseudo intuition for every model in your crew, as long as they're taking a place action, which most of them are going to place within eight of Asami at least once in their activation, suddenly your cards are doing much more work for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. You know, unless you get stuck on, you get to a point where you don't have, uh, any five or less, then you you, know, you can't draw, but at least mm-hmm. you can look at and reorder and stuff. So yeah, I mean, I, I can de- definitely see a lot of utility there. Colgan, as you, you know, someone who plays uh, Asami 1, 
does Lady Yume, you know, where do you think she kind of fits into that crew? Have you been interested in, in trying her or, you know, have you looked at it and really you don't see enough there? Yeah, I don't really see a place for her in the original crew as much. Um, just because, as you mentioned before, it's so hard to get to manage Flickr. Mm-hmm. So then if you don't have like that automatic way of just getting rid of Flickr, I think, with Shintaku, then you're just like, all right, I'll just add more Flickr onto my guys and they'll <laughs> die faster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just going to, I guess, like hover around a certain point. Whereas I feel like, there's a lot of pressure to constantly keep pressure on the enemy and trying to just like get as much value out of the Oni while they're still, I guess, in existence. Mm-hmm. Jim, I know you had mentioned uh, Ohaguro Batari, you know, mm-hmm. within the context of, of place effects. Now, it's my understanding that she's generally not considered uh, a, a great model, right? I mean, you know, it's not to say that she can't do anything, but when I hear more experienced Asami players talk about her, they generally, you know, don't rate her very highly. Um, Colgan doesn't tend to bring her that often from, from the games I, I've seen. Do you think that she has a new lease, lease on life in Asami 2, you know, from just Asami 2 or Asami 2 and Lady Yume together? Unfortunately, I really don't. I think she is still a tech pick against summoners. Like, there and there's a couple things in the keyword that that are tailored to be against other summoners, specifically the the Kamatachi. The thing about Batari that is frustrating is that she has a damage track of two three five. That is an uninspiring damage track for an eight stone model. The thing for me is that with From Beyond you can more often than not cheat that five damage which does make it valid but then it's card intensive and as we talked about earlier you want to summon with asami one and summon cards or tend to be your severes i haven't really tried her with shintaku yet but i think shintaku not requiring the use of those high cards might give her more leg room but I still think it's better to bring her against a model that summons just so you can get drawn to essence and you can get up the board and into threatening positions because she reads to me like a, like a good assassin scalpel piece. You know, you can charge in, you can give yourself flicker. Cause if, if you're charging in, you're probably going to die, right? Like we established that models that go in with Asami, they don't have the defense to last. Well, especially if you're an eight-stone henchman with no defensive abilities at all. (laughs) Right, but you can get in and you can just say, you know what, I'm going to trade two two rams and two severes out of my hand hand to do 10 irreducible damage, or effectively irreducible damage. Well, it's not irreducible, they just can't reduce using soul stones. Right, that's why I said effectively irreducible. Oh. I I meant to say. Because armor shielded her. Right. I mean, it just seems much, much worse than... Yes, it's... It's certainly not ideal. And but if if we're going to see her, that's probably where it would happen. I think there's something that can be done with a stat six lure, but I don't like it on an eight stone model because in 10 Thunders, you can hire a Geisha for stat six lure and get another model out of it. You know, that's half the cost. 
Yeah, her triggers are a bit underwhelming, too. I mean, she has a trigger on every suit of her attack, which is nice. But from the heavens, you know, it's the one where you can't reduce using soul stones, which sometimes that's going to be pretty important. But a lot of times it's not going to be that meaningful. Mm-hmm. And tear limb from limb, you know, again, it's sometimes it's it's nice to have uh, the marker drop, but a lot of times it's not really going to matter. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would agree that she, you know, she looks kind of underwhelming. And I, I had been hoping that maybe oftentimes these titles have have managed to elevate a model uh, a model's relevance maybe not you know make it all of a sudden competitive top tier or whatever but some of these some of these models that we thought were just on the shelf together dust have seen some play with with titles and i was hoping that unpronounceable eight stone oni henchman would be uh would be one of them but it doesn't seem like it no i will say that we do have one of those with the oni keyword and it's her four stone enforcer, the Kameatachi. That one I now will staple to my Oni crews. Interesting, like not just against summoners. Not just against summoners. And the reason is going back to Asami Shintaku's card, she has one bonus action and it's her only tactical action. So she's the it's the only thing she's got. Wrath of the Kimon. And uh, again, I apologize for those listening for any mispronunciations I'm making. I am doing my best. Uh, we're all doing our best here. I'm not. Well, speaking for myself, I am doing <laughs> uh, but I'm phoning it in. So, you know, this is activation control. This is the other thing that Molly, classic Molly does, is she gets to reactivate someone without a pass token. And I don't think I've made a secret of how much I love activation control. The Kametachi, the the downside of Wrath of the Kimon is that the second time they activate, they gain three flicker. And you know, Colgan, you pointed out three flicker is what happens when you die, or is what you need to flicker out. Mm-hmm. The Kametachi is the only Oni in the game without any other special setup can discard a flicker token by itself without any chance of failing the discard a flicker token. Because of its tactical action, Dust Devil, uh, as a cost, you discard a flicker token, and then you create this 40 mil severe destructible hazardous Dust Devil marker. So what this means is you can activate the Kamehatachi twice in a turn and guarantee yourself last activation because you have an activation that's not covered by pass tokens. Interesting. Yeah, even on a failure, you're still going to pay the cost. Correct. So if you activate it second time, you spend it, you now have two flicker left on you. Let's say you then walk next to Asami, teleport around her, turn one of those flickers into a shielded. Now your Kamehatachi has one flicker on it, so next turn, it can go early, discard the flicker token, and you're ready to rinse and repeat. I like it. I like it. That's, that's, that is a good little trick. And Activation control, it's, it's one of those things where it's easy to not, not appreciate how strong it is, but you play a lot of tournaments and you play against a lot of really strong players and you know you yourself obviously you're you're a strong player so yeah i imagine the kind of games that you play activation control ends up being really important mm-hmm. it's huge it could be the make or break point for scoring a victory point on a scheme or strategy and with as much movement offensive and defensive movement as oni have you know this gaining grounds is so much based around where you are like having corrupted ley lines 
having last activation to forcibly move someone off of a ley line marker, you know, that can cost people games. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So, you know, you had mentioned that your initial draw was uh, the potential of, of painting, you know, the, the new sculpt mm-hmm. in, in the Asami title. And, you know, it's interesting because Colgan was also like, you know, for Kirai, Colgan was drawn to, to Kirai, to this master that he hadn't really had much interest in. And in fact, a faction that he hadn't had much interest in, uh, you know, again, based on, on the aesthetics. But once you start playing her, where does uh, Asami 2 kind of sit within like your play style or, or the masters that you that you tend to play? Does, does it represent a divergence from the kinds of masters that you would tend to play? You know, I'm looking at her, I think she's, you know, sort of a support master. Um, she's got some indirect damage and, and you know, as, as you, you know, some combo type effects. Mm-hmm. So does that represent like a divergence from the sorts of crews you play? Or is it more of a continuation of, of the kinds of mechanics and the kinds of play styles that you're drawn to? I would put her in the camp of a divergence. Because I have come to recognize that I am most drawn to what I'm going to call super solo masters. You know, the masters who they don't necessarily rely on their crew to do what they're going to do. So, for example, mm. Captain Zip, Tara, Misaki One, New Wong Lady One, Justice, Lady probably. Justice, all these characters, or Rasputina, characters who their crew help and they help their crew passively. But on their activations, they're not necessarily buffing their own people. They're, I'm going to go do a thing that directly contributes to my game plan. You know, I am a working model as opposed to a support model. This, right. Now, this Asami, what I've found is she can support her crew in big, flashy movement effects with the rift markers, but I'm finding her as my main center scrum fighter piece oddly enough you know the oni keyword so fast that you don't norm i have not really seen her like get stuck in a quagmire in the middle like you you know you have the two big beaters that end up in the middle and punch each other's face for five turns but this is the asami that does that for me or or she does that for me Mm -hmm. that's different from my normal trying to play to the flanks sort of stuff so in, in both a board position and a gameplay wise she is a divergence from what i'm used to playing how has that divergence worked out for you like it, have you found that you are actually enjoying this style of play or do you think it's more well actually first of all i, I should ask you if you've been enjoying your asami games um but assuming <laughs> that, assuming the answer is yes and you know please let us know what you, you know what your experience has been in, in terms of uh, enjoyment of the games but if you have been enjoying uh, asami's play do you think that you might be attracted to another master that you know sort of has a similar play style or do you think it really is connected to like the whole package the aesthetics of, of asami the the oni keyword the way uh, you know the specific way asami is achieving um that play style you know, what what would your evaluation be of you know kind of what it indicates as to you know your future interests mm-hmm. Phew. I think it's, I think I would chalk it up to a, yes, I am having fun with it, but it is the kind of fun that also comes with having all, almost from soft games level of frustration at times. 
<laughs> because of how how unforgiving Oni can be if you're not with how fragile they are, right? I mean, the game I told I was talking about earlier, the against Perdita last week, I ended the game with two models on the board. I won, but I was down to two models on the board because things were just dying so quickly. And in previous games, I've typically been losing. I'm only just starting to get to the winning stage with the keyword, Mm. but my losses are typically near tables. And some days that can be disheartening. And some days it's a, ooh, I could have done something there because there's so much fun puzzles with this resource management mini game of Flickr that I guess is um, scratching or, or is giving me some of that dopamine serotonin dopamine whichever happy brain chemical it is Um, (laughs) i would say that moving forward i don't know that it's necessarily a play style i would like in a lot of cases you know i i think if i have the resource management element plus the board position element i like cute game interactions i i you know that johnny magic player build i like having the weird well if i you know, if I take a terracotta warrior, which I think are really good for either Asami, especially after their errata, you know, you do you, you take the hit on a terracotta warrior. Now you get to scry two before you take the hit so you can make sure you have a good card. That's something that came up in my last game. And I thought, huh, I never thought about it that way. Oh, because it's not only only, huh? Yeah, no, any model that gets placed near Lady Yume lets you scry two. Asami had and not to go too much into into tricks and stuff to try and stay on your topic, but I f- enjoy finding these interactions that aren't apparent. And it feels like there's a lot of them in this keyword specifically. So that's why I don't know. I feel like this might be more lightning in a bottle than it is a, I would like playing this play style no matter what keyword it is. Got it. Colgan, uh, you know, as an Asami 1 player, you know, again, maybe not main, but as an Asami 1 player, like, does Asami 2 interest you or, you know, do you think, you know, do you look at it and and you just think, well, you know, it's it's not really how that you're looking to play Oni? I'm not super interested in it. I, <laughs> the, the funny thing is, I feel like my play style is the exact opposite of Jim's. Like, I like the scrums and the fighting <laughs> instead of like the more, I guess, like intricate, like flanking and positioning stuff like that. Looking just at the card, I was having a really hard time actually like placing her play style mm-hmm. though and i guess like hearing jim's concerns too because like oni aren't very tough or you know they have a very limited lifespan even if you do manage their flicker mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because they don't really have any defensive tricks so like pretty much any damage they take is going to stick mm-hmm. so like yeah looking at her new keywords seeing she didn't have any way of bringing new models on the board i just felt like yeah if you made like one or two mistakes you're just like losing so many of your pieces and i i think it's also with playing a summon one so much i think with any summoner right you never really want to hire in minions mm-hmm. so uh-huh. then looking at like the keyword and like oh man i've i just have like a mental block for hiring in like oni minions now because it just <laughs> doesn't seem like worth my time especially since i'm so used to just like using them as like throwaway pieces to like buy time or Mm -hmm. as pretty much like missiles. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's a valid thing. You know, I have had a similar feeling about uh, the Bayou Summoner Sommer. Like I mentioned, I've been trying him and I'm just like, I don't want to pay for a freaking 
gremlin crier. I just want to summon it, <laughs> but I can't summon it. Uh, all I can summon are bayou gremlins, and and it's I think that's as much our previous expectations of a of a keyword uh, than anything else. But I I mm. empathize with you. You know what's interesting is as I you know have been reading uh, the Asami card, it kind of strikes me how effective she would be or you know i feel that she would be effective if she were lynch like if lynch won basically you, mm-hmm. you know obviously if, if the things were appropriate to honeypot instead mm-hmm. right because and and this is why i want to ask you Colgan, because i know you also play a lot of lynch right like lynch and asami are the two masters that you play the most frequently mm-hmm. but i'm just looking at asami too and the way that she is supporting her crew and now i have not played asami um too so i don't actually know what i do uh, as her on her turns but just you know from reading the cards kinds of things i feel like i i would be doing on her activations it it looks kind of like she would be played maybe sort of similarly to lynch one but more effective because i think she's doing more for her crew i mean you're not going to get an argument on me i don't feel like lynch does much for his crew <laughs> he shakes so many hands <laughs> he shakes hands gets people high and it's really just like like his biggest threat is just the fact that he can place hungering darkness. That's what mm-hmm. makes him dangerous. I feel like if he didn't have that trigger, like you wouldn't really care about him on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't played much with or against him, but from all accounts, I don't know when I would take him over Lynch Dark Debt at this point. Yeah, just look looking through the title, it's like, oh, let's make hungering darkness even better. It's like, okay, he was pretty much the whole crew for the first title, anyways. Right. So I guess uh, to invert the question, then uh, Jim, you know, uh, you're you're drawn to Asami two. Asami one is a a, a summoner, and mm-hmm. I know you also you know you play other summoners. You know, like I know you play Somer, for instance. You do you think you would ever really be interested in in Asami one? You know, would it get to the point where Asami is in your in your toolbox, and you know you you could see yourself playing either one, or do you really think it is just about the title version oh i i absolutely see myself playing both versions in time i i think there's a lot of cute movement tricks you can do with asami one between her tele using her own aura to teleport herself when she charges a turn for a little extra movement pushing things around is always powerful and they have this one thing we didn't talk about is they have the same melee attack so i never have to learn a new damage track <laughs> For my melee attack, I can just be like, oh, it's always 246, which is not a bad damage track. You have ways in, in the game to, ways in faction to give yourself focused. There's worse things than your master going in and saying, here, take 12 damage, please. Yeah, for sure. I mean, her trigger, Asami 2's a trigger that lets her push rift markers around him. And I could definitely see um, some uses for that. But it is a bit unfortunate that she doesn't have Execute, which Asami 1 does have. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, first of all, Execute is fairly rare in Ten Thunders, I seem to recall. Mm-hmm. And second, it can just be, you know, a pretty nasty trigger overall. I was going to say, especially when you think about the fact that you can build that heavy, terrifying crew and you can, for the enemy, you can flip. Lady Yume's effect is also for enemy models, not just friendly models. So if the enemy has place effects or if you're placing enemies with, I don't know, asami's unstable rift trigger for example you can add you can see what they have coming up and make sure that oh i see that they have a uh, low cards coming i guess i'll go for the big swing now 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I guess also, you know, if they have, you know, if they have placed as part of an attack action, like if they have flight and they're mm-hmm. charging you or something, you can also sculpt for terrifying, right? So, you know, I, I when I first read Lady Yume, I was like, well, when would I ever discard um, a low card from my opponent's hand? But the thing is, a five is going to let a lot of models, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there are models that are going to pass terrifying 11 on a five. Mm-hmm. So there are situations where you're going to look at a five and you're going to say, well, you know what? I, I am going to toss this. And it might, overall, it's it's nice for my opponent to get rid of a five, but in this instance, it's going to force a cheat on on a terrifying or something like that, mm-hmm. which which can be quite impactful. So, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, and, and I think this comes up a lot in Malifaux, you you read something and you kind of get get like the the primary use for it. You're like, okay, I, I see how I use this, but there, you know, there there are layers to a lot of these models and to a lot of these abilities. That you know, some of them come out through interactions with other models, and then some of them just uh, come out through other you know other utilities, other other ways to use what you know what's on the card. And and I think that's one of the things that really keeps me coming back to the game. That's valid. So one of the things that uh, really drew Colgan to to Kirai, you know, to go back to this drawn to brilliance uh, theme, was that he liked the entire, you know, it wasn't just Kirai's aesthetic. He liked the aesthetic of, of the new models that Kirai was getting. He Colgan, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were kind of ambivalent on her, like, you, you know, on her, on her previous models, right? Like, you didn't necessarily think that they were all that interesting, did you? Yeah, no, I didn't particularly like the style i mean like some of the minions were okay like the i guess the godio were, were all right but like the old um Yukirio, like i really didn't like the sculpt uh-huh uh-huh yeah and you didn't like the drowned and jacuna and stuff like that too right yeah the drowned and jacuna I, I, I don't care for their aesthetics at all <laughs> right well but so for the oni you know the only new model they were getting uh because they weren't getting a whole new you know a whole new set of models like kirai the only new models that oni was was getting was uh the new master and and lady yume uh so you know what how do you feel about the oni aesthetic jim is it something you've always been interested in and now asami's cool enough for you to do it or is it like you can take it or leave it and asami really is what's what's making difference all due respect i could take it or leave it you know if they came Mm -hmm. out with a nightmare edition of it and they're all some kind of gerbil i'd be like okay (laughs) The thing is, I found it interesting as a painting exercise in second edition. Because A, at second edition, I really tried to match the box art for every model that I got. And when you look at the Oni models, there's a wide range of flesh tones, of clothing colors, of just, I mean, it's a lot, there's a lot of earthy tones, there's a lot of purples and oranges and greens so that you have that strange kind of uh triad of colors it's still it's a pretty varied keyword visually Mm -hmm. and that was exciting and fun to try and paint that because it forced me to not just go okay i get three colors let's just do three color minimum on every model no it's like okay akaname they're fleshy they're peachy colored there's i have to figure out how to paint moldy apples that was fun (laughs) And then I go to the Obsidian Oni, who are all like, look shiny and like they're made out of stone. And then you have the Katashiro, which I 
again, I'm going to be painting up soon. I have to figure out, you know, how do I want to paint the paper? Do I want to do script on them? I've been pondering picking out some of the masks from, if you've ever played Okami, the imp enemies, they're all demons that have a piece of paper instead of a face and hmm. picking out some of the faces from some of the, the boss imps for the Katashiro is a thing I'm thinking of. But at the end of the day, the aesthetic is interesting. I would prefer if, say, the Jorogumo fit on their base. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that would more be... than like tiny little leg contact points. Yeah, it would be nice. But I think if I were a better hobbyist and could do like the cork bases I've seen people do, I think it would look amazing. But as it is, I'm not. I'm not super invested in it. I don't have a huge background in, you know, the myths that the Oni come from. So, yeah, it's it's like one of these weird things where I I like it. I like I, I like what they represent in Malifaux's story. You know, the Oni are these denizens of the great beyond who are outside of Malifaux and Earth, and they're trying to get in. So there's a bit of cosmic horror element to it, but it's almost a familiar cosmic horror because it's not just all tentacles and eyeballs. It's like bird people and spider people and, you know, whatever the heck Ohoguro Batari is. <laughs> so going forward, you know, where do you think, you know, Asami's gonna, you know, Asami's position within your, you know, your play rotation? Do you think it's gonna be? Uh, games where oh I want to play Asami this game so you're gonna bring it pretty much you know irrespective of of what the pool happens to be or is it more tailored like you think there's a scheme and strat pool and deployment or whatever there's there's these situations that are Asami and you're gonna you know you're gonna play Asami in those situations and outside of those or you know in in the bad situations you're just gonna play something else because uh, Colgan. And, you know, when we talked about uh, Kirai, he was like, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it's just going to be a Kirai day and whatever pool comes up, comes up. But I'm just going to play her either way. It's going to be a, a Sami day kind of thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had that happen. That was what happened this past week at the store. You know, I grabbed my Bayou bag. I grabbed all my stuff. I brought it into the shop and I was like, you know what? I, I went right out to the car, got the 10 Thunders bag, brought that in, ignored all the other bags I had carried in already, and and just pulled out Asami and put her on the table. I think she is... So first off, I think between the two versions of her, she's one of the masters that has decent tools into most of Gaining Grounds 1 and Gaining Grounds 2 kind of pools. Mm. You know, I think Shintaku is really good in the Gaining Grounds 1 fight over the center, maybe don't have to cross the center line kind of games. And I think objectively her classic version is better at the spread out more kind of gaining grounds two games we have. If we ever get gaining grounds three, who knows what kind of place the the fight is supposed to happen in that world. But since you can fight either wide or narrow with either version of Asami. I feel comfortable that I can put her down and be like, yeah, I can play this. Unlike Sommer. <laughs> well, the real fight in any gaining grounds is going to be the forums. So, well, I, it, if I go by that, I will never play Asami again because 
conventional wisdom is that Asami's title is the weakest title of Thunders. And I don't know the rest of Thunders well enough to, you know, sit here and say, yes, that is true. I mean, she's not Yan Lo. Right. <laughs> and it's hard to beat Yan Lo because I've seen what he can do in the hands of competent players and it's disgusting. You know, I just thought Lady Yume might be kind of interesting in a, in a Yan Lo 2 crew. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many places. There's so many places you can you can do things like obey your you can have your Komeno obey Yan Lo to obey the Komenu to take a walk to place Yan Lo to then scry to before you do your next thing. And yeah, we take the hit and uh, you can have Lady Yume and Sun Quang and just stack up all these effects oh, that yeah. happen when things get placed. That's a that's a cute <laughs> thing I've been thinking of. You know, you take your Obsidian Oni, you give Obsidian Oni the take the hit upgrade. Uh-huh. Make sure it has at least a flicker and um, take the hit with it. Now your opponent has to do min four damage to get through armor and shielded. <laughs> <laughs> you do that and then you explode and set asami on fire so that's not the best but <laughs> until that point you have a pretty durable piece protecting you which is nice so i guess to kind of you know sort of wrap up this sort of drawn to brilliance how has asami kind of lived up to your expectations when you picked up the box you know and read her card i'm sure you had an idea of what you thought she would be like of course malfo difficult to really fully understand uh just on that basis but uh you know have, have you found playing asami to be uh kind of like you expected either for good or bad or you know has it been a, a different experience than than what you thought it was significantly different oh okay i will say she assembled and painted up as i expected weird has learned a lot about designing models and uh whoever they have designing the sprues did a really good job with her. Lady Yume was an exercise in patience because every single one of her many arms is a separate piece. And a lot of them look very similar. You had to look for like, okay, which finger is pointing up on this hand with the wrist going that way? But it wasn't too bad to assemble. Gameplay wise, I was expecting to be doing a lot of dropping riffs, having people jump around the board to riffs. I couldn't do the possession on my own model trick, which I remember when her card was first released by Weird ages ago. That was bef They had possession as a, just a generic trigger, not an enemy-only trigger. Mm -hmm. So the whole taxi, a, put a Jorogumo in a bird and throw the bird up the field to pop a Jorogumo out couldn't happen anymore. But what I found her doing was running up in the middle with the Katashiri, the Kameatachi and mincing people with ping damage. Because you drop out the Dust Devil marker, which is hazardous, drop a Rift marker, which is hazardous, you hit somebody with unstable Rift on another mouth to feed, taking the flicker from the Kameatachi, who just has a butt-ton of flicker, do 246 damage to somebody, push a hazardous marker through it, which causes a damage, place them into the in four inches in the middle of the dust devil for another hazardous damage. And then you go with the Kametachi and you stagger them to cause more hazardous damage. Jeez. And, yeah, that sounds painful. Yeah, and if you have focus, you spike that six damage that makes her min damage with a Kametachi like min damage four, max damage eight from a single <laughs> swing. 
and you can get three swings out of her. Yeah, seems good. Yeah, that's why it was surprising to me that she wanted to get up close and personal. I have used her ranged attack spiritual invasion. It's it's hard, though, because everything on her card's eight inches. So you, by default, are like one charge away from being punched in the face. And it's probably better to do the punching than to be the punched. <laughs> What's your track record been with, with Asami, too? You know, have you met with a lot of success, or has it been more mixed, or have you been getting curb stomped? Mostly curb stomped. <laughs> I'm starting to get wins, but for the most part, it's been a lot of trial and error. What I've found is the lists that do well leverage the center fight more. You know, you were talking about, Colgan, about not hiring the Jorogumo, and I'm finding that I'm hiring them. And I can hire up to, I've hired two at a time, and I just like run her up and then have them jump up to her. And then just make this little kill pile in the middle of the board. Their wounds go further when you have the eat your fill plus shielded from all the shielded she's giving out. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, I guess also because you can play some with dimensional rift that helps out, right? Yeah. When, <laughs> when you don't have that, it's like it feels so much better just to be able to summon them into position. Because, yeah, mm. it feels a lot better when they're melee combat. But when they're wobbling their way up there and they just get shot for like four to five damage, it's like, well. And that's the big problem I've been running into why I'm still on a mostly getting curb stomp thing is if you do with if you send somebody up the board with dimensional rift, they're going to melt. It's so easy to overextend with this crew and your models cannot survive being overextended. I'm excited to keep playing this crew, which I think is the biggest marker for me that this is a good, that this is a worthwhile endeavor because I'm having more fun with her than I've had with some other crews lately. What would you say to someone who, you know, is, is thinking about uh, Asami too? Like what sort of player do you think might, might find her play style rewarding? You know, do you think this is a, a, a good master for a beginner probably not i'm guessing but you know just like what would you what would you say to either the like the asami curious uh veteran and the asami curious newbie i would suggest someone newer to asami to probably stick with her classic version as a summoner yeah that you can be you can get all in the weeds about the the best summon for the situation but even at the at the end of the day her play style is very straightforward it's you summon something every turn, you probably mothers love it every turn, or maybe you move around like Colgan, like you were saying you were doing with her. Mm-hmm. her she has very clear tools. This Asami feels a lot more reactive or has tools that are not very obvious. For a, someone who's played the game longer, I would say play her if you want to try practicing your position skills and or yeah, offensive placement skills. Because there's so many placement effects in the keyword that you really can have a lot of opportunity to do that and to learn to piece trade effectively. Your pieces are going to die. You, like, you do not have the durability <laughs> of a Rezor Master or you know, Arcanist models. But if you can, if you, can you know, know the right time to send in your Jorogumo to die, but it takes out two other models, learning how to piece trade with that is going to make your piece trading with other more durable models even more in your favor. Oh, Does that make sense? I like sense? it. I think, yeah, no, for sure. I, I think that's a, a good evaluation. And um, I mean, I don't have anything uh, else to say. If if you guys, uh, do you have any, 
either of you have any concluding notes about about Asami or or Asami too? You go first, Colgan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't have anything. Well, I, I guess there is one thing because, like, recently I ended up playing Dreamer, mm-hmm. and like I've never felt like Asami was weak, but after playing Dreamer, I felt like I had to work so much harder to get less <laughs> compared to like just with how. You have to be a little more careful with position, like how much effort it takes to maintain the summons. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, as a summon model, she as a summoner, she's fairly balanced against other masters just because so much of your actions are require you to maintain your summons if you want to continue to get, I guess, value out of them, either through actions or through your own health. And I, I guess it also kind of, it feels like a lot of her minions are costed to be summoned in, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. Because, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's just, like, looking at how much value you get of elves, it also kind of made me sad about playing Lynch, too. Because, <laughs> uh, like, you know, the biggest thing, I was like, oh, I can place, you know, I can place Hungering Darkness. But then with Dreamer, I can place um, Lord Chompy Bits, and I can summon in an elf to do extra damage and just put, like, everyone on negative flips and it was just like it's so easy i just summon stuff in and then i get off like one willpower duel and all of a sudden you know their model that was kind of off on the flanks is now surrounded by two pretty deadly models Mm -hmm. yeah i played dreamer for the first time on saturday and i was really impressed with the alps i mean i knew the alps had had a good reputation but i was really impressed by just how much value i got out of them and you know they're just five star models if you've got a you know a high moderate, you can summon one, and if you you know, and if you've got a twelve or thirteen, I forget whatever it is, you can get them and a daydream to get that much value, you know, from a very reasonable cost. It's pretty uh, pretty impressive. I would say so. I I've been impressed facing Dreamer the the times I've seen because and it's not even the summoning; it's just the whole package. He's got movement. He's got card filtering. His new title's got Scheme Marker and Super Schemey Teleport Dreamer. You know, it really feels like a whole package. I do think a lot of the keywords have the whole package feel. Asami feels like it's a whole package feel. But yeah, you have to work harder, like Colgan. That, that I think, really encapsulates the kind of feeling that I get from it. All right. Well, I guess uh, on that optimistic note uh everyone should just go out there and 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 pick up this title box because you will get the other version of dreamer (laughs) that's the takeaway yes that's that's the takeaway of asami's drawn to brilliance you can play dreamer you know so so if you invest in in her title box and you don't like asami you've got other solid options uh and that's the kind of practical advice that you get from the other coast uh if you've um enjoyed listening to us let us know you know we play just in two small corners of the globe and we would like to be part of the wider malifaux community and that's why we're doing this podcast to be part of the conversation um and to spur sales of dreamer (laughs) (laughs) we are always interested of course in any any feedback you guys might have on any of our takes or anything we said or if you think there are other topics you'd like to hear us discuss you know please Write in and, and let us know. Anytime we're provided with a topic, it saves us 15 minutes of our pre-show of ruling out ideas that we have written on our brainstorm that we're just not that interested in. 
We also have a, a PayPal and a Patreon. If you'd like to support the channel in that way, it would be appreciated. And you know, we really do thank all of our our patrons and our backers. But really, any form of support, just uh, a message on Facebook or an email telling us what you think, or you know, reaching out on Reddit. We've had quite a few people respond to our Reddit posts, and hey, it's just always great to hear from you guys. We're just a couple of Malifaux players uh, doing our best to eke out some wins. So. Uh, let us know how you think we're doing. And with that, uh, I'll just say uh, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night, everyone.